0: Good evening. Welcome to Blood Brothers. This is Casey Runan.
1: And Seamus Runan.
0: Your (laughs) co-hosts, (laughs) co-brothers. And this is a podcast about vampires. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Seamus, why are we doing this i
1: don't know you're the one you're the one that called me is like we should do a podcast about vampires
0: well so my initial pitch my aspiration here is to hopefully watch every vampire movie ever made and talk about it maybe
1: i guess like if we try to do like tv shows as well that'll take like a lot
0: i think there's enough to um call from there with movies alone that we don't need to dip into
1: the strain oh i
0: forgot about that
1: i mean i like the strain i lost interest in it but i don't know i i I feel like that's not like a knock on its quality it's just shit happened and then i forgot about it
0: (laughs) okay sure it's not you it's me the strain Well, so why are we doing this from your perspective?
1: I mean, my goal is I just want to talk
0: about horror movies. We both grew up as horror fans. My aspiration with trying to watch all these vampire movies was sort of an arbitrary choice. But at the same time, I do think it's possible that vampires are like the quintessential movie monster. Yes. Um, Because you think about all the way back to Nosferatu in 1920. It's not quite the first horror movie per se, but it's certainly one of the earliest horror movies that's still talked about. And then you have all the way through today in the last decade and a half, you know, there's been a huge vampire resurgence with, of course, in cinemas, Twilight, but also like TV shows like True Blood, Vampire Diaries, and The Strain.
1: That and we, the thing we like probably be more interested in or what we were interested in growing up was zombies, but Walking Dead sort of killed zombies. I don't think anybody cares (laughs) about zombies anymore. (laughs) But like you said, I feel like vampires are the more important movie monster or just because I mean, if you really want to like go into like the zombie thing, I mean, the current version of what zombies are now sort of spun out of vampires because when George Romero was doing Night of the Living Dead, his inspiration for that was uh, I Am Legend by...
0: Is it Richard Matheson?
1: That sounds right.
0: Originally, he thought of, Romero thought of the zombies as ghouls. And if you watch the first I Am Legend adaptation with Vincent Price, they are essentially zombies, but he refers to them as vampires. And probably we'll end up watching that Vincent Price movie sooner rather than later, because uh, I watched it for the first time shortly before quarantine started. And uh, I, (laughs) I thought about it much in the first few months. Anyway, from my perspective, vampire movies cover a huge range of different types of films in terms of overlap with different genres hitting like all these different points in film history like you're talking about yeah i mean certainly we were as teenagers especially when we were at the peak of our horror consumption very much interested in zombies primarily but it it didn't occur to me until you just pointed out that connection really modern zombies are probably closer to vampires than the kind of uh, voodoo origins um, but even that has overlap with vampires because one of the most famous, like early zombie movies, and this is again not the kind of shoot him in the head, more contemporary conception of zombies. Yeah. Um, is uh, White, White Zombie, zombie which yeah. has Bella Lugosi and is a role that, I mean, he did that right after Dracula. And there's a lot of overlap in terms of how he's even shot in the movie.
1: I also feel like there's a wider audience for vampires because like there's more interpretations of what vampires are. Mm -hmm. Like you have like, I don't know, Nosferatu where that's like a gross vampire. And then you have Twilight, which is the complete opposite. And it has like a completely different audience than the people that would like those other things. I feel like zombie movies, they're all very much like the Romero zombies. Yeah and I feel like only a very specific audience wants to watch that.
0: The, yeah the the metaphor of zombies Is not nearly as malleable as vampires because I think I don't know that much about what the mythology of vampires was like or if there was a popular vampire text really before Dracula. Like, obviously, that was a character or a mythological sort of creature that existed.
1: A lot of the reason why I wanted to do this is because I really read into like Bram Stoker a while back. One of the books I read is a book by the name of Something in the Blood by David J. Skull. And what I find really interesting is, like, there was another text right before it, I think, just called Vampire, and that's where the name came from. But Dracula really codified what a vampire is. Before that, it was just all these different mythologies of essentially undead creatures, dead people, like, coming back and feeding on the living. And he was really the one that took all these different disparate ideas from across Europe and just made it into this one thing but I feel that's why it's important to watch Dracula first just because like I said that's like where what people know as what vampires are where that came from
0: Uh, certainly that's the dominant image of vampires even for people that have never seen any Bela Lugosi movies they do picture the Bela Lugosi archetype like even down to the widow's peak like I feel like that's something that's just built into what Dracula looks like in our minds.
1: I mean, Nosferatu didn't have the cape, and everybody thinks of the cape.
0: I forgot you read that Bram Stoker book, because I remember in high school, you read Dracula for a class, I think, right? And I remember you hating it.
1: The thing is, like, looking back at it now as an adult, I realized a lot of my problems with the book and why I hated it is because I was looking at it through the lens of like a 21st century person Mm -hmm. like say legend of zelda like inspired all these other video games and if you go from playing all these other video games then back to legend of zelda you're like oh this isn't that good and your viewpoint is from these other things that expanded upon this so like i'm looking at it as somebody that's read just a ton of vampire books watched a ton of vampire movies so I have this expectation of this big epic battle at the end. And that was like the major thing that really bothered me about it is that in that book, Dracula's kind of a fucking bitch because like they catch him and then like half the book is him running away. And right. the last climactic battle isn't them fighting Dracula. It's them fighting a bunch of gypsies. I also feel like the other issue why I didn't really... Like it at the time is I just read I mean I had read Frankenstein before, but I reread it again like for that class at the same time, and I think if you compare those two texts, I think Frankenstein is just by far like the better story
0: i mean i th- I think just literary history kind of bears out what you're saying in terms of I think Frankenstein is spoken of much more as a novel than Dracula is spoken of as a novel. Um, I think if you look at lists of great pieces of literature, Frankenstein comes up more than Dracula. But I just started reading Dracula for this podcast, and I'm kind of blown away by a lot of aspects about it that I hadn't even... I mean, the thing that really kind of strikes me as very modern about it is the fact that the entire story is told in letters and in newspaper clippings and in diary entries. Like, there's no... um, objective third-person narrator and even like the first-person narration is specifically through that filter thinking of that not just as the author but like as a character that's something that people kind of take for granted now like we read a novel that's in the first person now and we don't think is the character writing this down like is he speaking it I don't know there's something about the way Dracula's written going back and forth very fluidly between different people's perspectives and different modes of writing I think is really fascinating um, but also has nothing to do with vampires. <laughs> this is more yes. just like very literary, nerdy stuff. But I've been really enjoying how suspenseful it is in terms of the um, buildup of Dracula as a character and like the mythos and the way that things are kind of described. Uh, he kind of like dances around things. That's probably not the right word, but he'll describe things in a kind of indirect way, which I think is really interesting because it's like the characters writing in their diary or writing in a letter and not really believing what they're writing or like trying to rationalize it. But I could also see as um, if I was like 15 and reading it and wanted something more cinematic then it wouldn't deliver that and i think especially what i'm talking about is so much to do with like building up the horror of things that aren't being seen and then like waiting for dracula to kind of arrive in england and then suddenly dracula runs away at the end nothing exactly
1: like i feel like i do have to reread it if we're gonna do this because i mean i have the opinion that i was a fucking idiot as a teenager
0: as as we all were (laughs) but anyway so So when we see each other, these are basically the things we talk about or things we've already covered, which are just uh, horror movies and comic books and I ask you questions about video games because, because I'm not very are, like, much no. out of the loop. <laughs> you have, like, um, no interest in video games anymore, so it's well, just me ranting purely, about video purely games. Purely academically. Well, but that's what I'm, like, curious about. Are there vampire video games? Like, zombies have a huge, uh, I would say, footprint yes. in the video game world, but uh, vampires do not.
1: It's definitely zombies are more... You see them more in video games. I feel that's just because they serve as a good, like, Gun fodder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like- they serve as good gun fodder. Like you need to populate your world with enemies, and it's like, oh, let's just put a bunch of fucking dumb enemies. Yeah. There is a, a game called Dying Light which is a zombie game, but there is a part of it that plays sort of like vampires because the idea of it is like you're like airdropped into like this third world country where like this uh zombie virus outbreak happens But like it has a day night cycle and it's open world. And what's really cool about it is um when night happens there's like these They're supposed to be zombies, but they're closer to like vampires as they just fly around. They're like really fast, really strong. So like at nighttime, you have these stronger enemies and it makes for like this really fun game and creates these amazing moments of just trying to escape these things. One game I play is um, Elder Scrolls Online. And you can be a vampire in the game, and it has, like, stat benefits, but it's not something, like, you could easily get. You need to be, like, bitten by another player that's a vampire. And that I think is such a fucking cool idea because you'll be like in like a hub world where people get their quests and people will be like selling vampire bites. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that's interesting when thinking about like the rarefied aspect of the vampire. I think that's what's powerful still about something like Nosferatu. Or, like, the quality in Bram Stoker's Dracula um, novel that I was talking about earlier is, like, the, the mystery surrounding vampires and kind of their presence being felt, even though they're, like, invisible or they're in the shadows or, you know, their reflection isn't there. I feel like silent horror films are more enduring than other types of silent films because there is that kind of dreamlike element or mysterious element that's built into early film because of the grain and like the way things are photographed. There's something inherently cinematic about vampires, which I guess is going to be kind of the thesis we are proving or unproving in doing this. Whereas in order for video game or for vampires to be an effective video game monster, there'd have to be an aspect of their character that makes for a good video game mechanic. And I feel like biting someone (laughs) is not necessarily something that works with video games
1: zombies are sort of like like you said they're just cannon fodder it's just a borderline dumb enemy but whereas with vampires i feel like you need to put effort into making them feel like vampires or making you yeah. feel like a
0: vampire. Well, you think about even just like the term zombie is kind of synonymous with a faceless mass, which is a lot of when you're playing a shooting game, that's who you're shooting. Exactly. It, it kind of makes sense that first person shooters, especially in zombies are kind of like a match made in heaven. Um, I do think it's like interesting talking about the nocturnal element. I think that could be an interesting game mechanic. I did not imagine you would talk this much about video games but <laughs> um but what's the um, i'm trying to i'm on my phone trying to figure out the name of that hideo kojima game boy game boktai when you were talking about the nocturnal thing that just occurred to me um, I remember there was that Game Boy game that the gimmick was that it had like a built-in like a solar. That I don't know. Didn't fucking work. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's not. Is it a solar panel when it's like a? It's an inch. it's a
1: solar <laughs> panel, but it's on the bottom of it. I think. But the thing that was so dumb about that is why would you be playing a Game Boy outside?
0: <laughs> yeah. Also. <laughs> You have to think about the early Game Boys do not fare well in sunlight because they didn't have a built-in backlight, right? Yeah. Just to kind of finish the thought, like, you know, you're using the solar power From the real world sun to charge up and use your, like, gun or your sword on vampires.
1: Were there vampires in
0: that? That That's the whole point. Boktai, he's fighting vampires with light. Oh, I
1: didn't didn't realize Why do you think he's using light? (laughs) I don't know. Like, I mean, light could be used to kill a bunch of, like, evil bad guy things. (laughs)
0: Light can be used to kill all kinds of things. Exactly. Like, uh, like ants. uh... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> through a magnifying glass. um Anyway, we grew up a VHS family, certainly. And I was trying to figure out what our first introduction would have been to vampire mythology. And I was thinking we had a lot of those Abbott and Costello meet. I was a
1: hundred percent Abbott and Costello.
0: It had to have been in Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein. You know, they famously meet all of the Universal monsters. And Bela goes in that as Dracula. He was. Yeah. Yeah, it's everyone. Bella's in it, Lon Chaney Jr. as the Wolfman. Well, so the other thing I was thinking about in terms of our introduction to Universal Monsters in particular, well, we didn't actually have this video, but we would go back to the library to it again and again. Uh, It was this thing called Monster Hits.
1: (gasps) (laughs) this though are is you this,
0: afraid of the dark
1: is this the uh chummy with the mummy one
0: yeah so i don't know <laughs> how we for some reason our our library have this video from 1984 it's a computer animated
1: it's not even really animated it's like watching an etch-a-sketch uh somebody draw something with an etch-a-sketch while people talk over it <laughs> it's funny because it's it's this nostalgia thing for me but i feel like everyone i've shown it to
0: <laughs> is at least fascinated for the first 10 minutes because and then just bored so and shit. (laughs) strange because it really is you can't tell how it was made because it it looks like it was drawn in Microsoft Paint but the animation quote unquote is you just watching image by image each scene be kind of constructed before your eyes so there'll be like a character whose face is kind of just sitting in the foreground and like the top of his head doesn't appear for a full 15 seconds because everything's being drawn in front of you it felt like a bad improv troupe just performed (laughs) musical comedy for children around a very loose monster theme and then like animated it and it it was weird because they had this set of a really large ensemble cast of odd characters but because of the way it was animated you You didn't know what any of them looked like you couldn't tell what voice was to what person (laughs) exactly 15 minutes into the video, suddenly they're like, What's the deal with Frankenstein? Oh, ask Robo. And then suddenly there's a robot. You're like, there was a robot this whole time? <laughs> you guys had a robot in the uh the cat-shaped uh air balloon?
1: This is a fucking direction. I didn't expect this to go in. You're <laughs> talking about vampires, and then we go, go to the kit <laughs> our childhood.
0: It was such a weird thing to stumble upon in our library and become obsessed with. And I think we got it because it was in the children's section. It was 100% because
1: it had monsters on it. Yeah, it had
0: monsters on the cover. And as kids, we were obsessed with monsters.
1: And a lot of the
0: imagery in that, because there's a song about the mummy. Don't get chummy with the mummy. Yes. Boy, or it's the last thing you'll ever do. A very memorable chorus that we performed in our talent show.
1: I think it was like second grade.
0: Yeah, so the mummy, there's a song about the mummy. There's a song about Dracula. <laughs> most notably and most relevant to this podcast. Um, there's a song about Frankenstein and even a song about Igor. A lot of the imagery in that stupid vhs tape was indebted to the Universal Monsters, of course. The song about Igor is sung in a Boris Karloff voice. But yeah, there's a there's a fucking country song about Dracula <laughs> called what? I bumped the Bite Your Neck. I mean, I'm sure we'd seen Dracula. Images a bunch in popular culture before that, but I feel like that's probably our first glimpse of Dracula's castle, at least because it does look a lot like the universal Dracula set. These are the things that I imagine as the early inception point with horror movies. I mean, what I think is interesting about horror is like a gateway for kids. Like, there's something that's exciting about it because you feel like you're not supposed to be watching it, you're always kind of aspiring to something that's slightly more adult than what you are being kind of fed. And so the idea of sneaking a horror movie is really thrilling or bullying your parents into letting you watch something inappropriate is always thrilling. Exactly. The thing that I really appreciate now looking back on our interest in horror movies is there's something about horror that I think trains you to be, and this is not like across the board true, because I know in horror kind of fandom, there's plenty of people who just want the same thing delivered over and over again, and are very tolerant of very bad sequels. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm thinking of the Friday the 13th movies, especially. But when we were teenagers, you know, we'd watch anything of any quality, high or low. And as long as it had something in it that was kind of gross, or interesting, or funny, or something we'd never seen before, It would be worth watching. And I feel like having that kind of patience watching bad movies kind of trains you to be a little bit more interested in or a little more patient for more challenging movies. So I feel like my interest in like art film or my patience with foreign films and reading subtitles, something as simple as that is kind of indebted to our early interest in horror. And there's overlap with that, you know, like one of the movies I want to watch with you is this movie called Vampire, which is a silent film that's very experimental and odd and nonlinear. I think it's interesting just because of even just a few like really strange, indelible kind of unique images. Do you feel like you have a favorite vampire movie?
1: Um, I mean, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's one that I always think of a lot. I think it's called Daybreakers.
0: With Ethan Hawke?
1: No, it has um, Willem Dafoe in it. And Ethan Hawke, right? <laughs> I think
0: it's both of them it's Let like everyone's it a vampire right isn't that the premise
1: it's in a world where everybody's a vampire there's like a few holdout human civilizations i remember the thing that i thought was just so cool about it well one is seeing like a society just built around vampires and what would cause that but essentially like one of the major conflicts in it is they like need to get these last humans because the humans that they have are dying out and they're running out of blood and like this is something that I thought was so cool because I was saying like how I feel like vampires have sort of devolved in their mythology where this one it takes the whole like vampire bat part of vampires and like what essentially happens is when these people are like starved of blood they sort of devolve into these bat monster things and like like you said like we're like perfectly fine with like watching like complete dreck as long as there's something like super gross or weird or something beyond your expectations And I just remember there's these two scenes in that movie that really stick out that I'm like, oh, oh,
0: so is, is there a vampire movie that you haven't seen that you're excited to watch?
1: (laughs) Dracula. (laughs) I haven't seen seen the original Dracula. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, I actually hadn't seen it until like a few years ago. Um, I saw the Francis Ford Coppola, Bram Stoker's Dracula before I saw the original.
1: I'm actually not sure if I've seen Bram Stoker's Dracula all the way through. I've seen Nosferatu. Uh, I've seen like, like, what was it? Interview with a Vampire? I've seen that. I haven't seen that. I actually like that one too. There's like this whole part with, I forget what actress it was that plays the little girl. Kristen Dunst. That was yes. Her big breakthrough. Yes, that whole story that makes that movie because it's essentially this this little girl is forced into this life of killing people.
0: That's interesting, because there are these kinds of different tropes in vampire movies that either come from germs of ideas that are in the original, you know, if we're going to refer to Dracula as like the Ur text. Um, and obviously, we'll talk about this when we're actually watching with the actual Nosferatu and, and Dracula episode what is not being shot from the book, what is kind of edited down. That's something that's fun reading the book for me right now is that there's a lot of richness to the writing and like the mythology that's being built and, and images. And ideas about vampires that aren't touched upon in the original Dracula film. But I think there's a lot that's kind of built on or kind of elaborated on in other films that have come out since. And sort of tropes that have evolved purely from vampire cinema and not from anything else. And I think that idea of the little kid who's been a vampire forever, like that's a part of it. You know, like let the right one in. I think even before Interview with a Vampire, I'm not sure how this coincides with the actual novel that that movie was based on. But there's a movie called Near Dark
1: oh i forgot about lost boys how could i forget lost boys that's one of my favorite that's one of my favorite vampire movies like screw daybreakers lost boys is the best
0: <laughs> well see I'm, i can't wait to for you to watch uh near dark because it came out the same year as Lost Boys, um, there's a lot of overlap, but it's different in very, I think, significant ways. So, Halloween's coming up. Are you going to dress as a vampire? I, I mean, go where? <laughs> yeah, just stay home. Have you dressed as a vampire for Halloween think ever?
1: I've ever, I know you have. You dressed as a vampire when you were like six or seven. Or See, something.
0: that's the thing. I totally forgot about that. And then like, again, I was this morning thinking about how much I did or did not care about vampires as a kid. And I was like, oh, we had a Dracula medallion.
1: I remember you went to school dressed as. I remember
0: being a kid, we would have all these uh, really creative costumes that mostly we would bully our mother into making for us. (laughs) But then there was one year I was like, man, all my friends have cool store-bought masks. They have these really expensive, really like gnarly, like morbid plastic masks that I thought were really... It's like the same thing as when you're bringing a nice homemade meal to school, but all your friends have Lunchables. And you're like, man, I just wish I had the Lunchables. It was like that. There was one year I was like, I just want to really spend scary, gross store-bought mask. And I got this vampire mask, like a Nosferatu-looking thing. And I wore that to school. And I remember afterwards feeling very disappointed in myself. Like, I wasted a whole Halloween on this worthless mask I spent, like, 40 bucks on.
1: I definitely, more than you, bought into that thing where you just had store-bought masks. I remember being something called, like, a skeleton warrior for, like, three years in a row. (laughs) I, I mean, that's one of my greatest regrets is I had so few actual good Halloween costumes growing up and now that I'm an adult and I don't have like the type of friends that have Halloween parties or go to Halloween events so I can't like dress up as some geeky thing that only like three people will know what it is
0: I mean you can that's what I do every year yeah but where do you go what do you do (laughs) I go uh wherever and people don't recognize me regardless of where I am because I've uh I've gone too obscure i have dressed as uh, Cesar from Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. The, the, the thing is, the more obscure you dress for a Halloween costume, if you find one person that recognizes you, they're usually very
1: stoked <laughs> about it. And it makes it all worthwhile when you're a snob. The one time I ever dressed up to a convention... I dressed up as this character called q from street fighter he's like a character nobody knows because he's from it's like a, he's like a very obscure character and then i went through the whole event and everybody thought i he i was rorschach or something because he's wearing a trench coat and then the one person the one person who recognized me was also dressed as that character
0: <laughs> that is the loneliest thing i've ever heard
1: it was so horrible. goddamn funny. Uh, I wish you didn't tell me that. I don't, I feel like. <laughs> you, you lost respect for me.
0: <laughs> um, Yeah. Yeah. I also dressed as, uh, as Edward Cullen to, uh, when I saw Twilight, but that's a story for another episode. You
1: dressed as Edward Cullen every day because people <laughs> always thought you looked like Edward Cullen. That was my heyday. I remember I made that joke when I was in college that you look like Edward Cullen. And then when my uh, friends finally met you, I forget why you came down. But they're like, oh man, you weren't joking. He does look like Edward Cullen.
0: But yeah, I mean, the hope with this is just that vampire movies obviously cover a huge range of different kinds of films and different (laughs) qualities of films movies that are in the canon of things that we would consider maybe more highbrow but then there's also plenty of lowbrow trash
1: there's a vampire's kiss yes oh that's that's another one that's your favorite vampire movie (laughs) that might be my favorite vampire movie it's just Nicolas cage being insane for like an hour and a half
0: yeah, I mean that's on the line. I think.
1: I mean, people give him a hard time, but like that Vampire Kiss movie is so so goddamn entertaining.
0: I'm gonna argue when we get to it that it's actually a good movie, but I might adjust my opinion on the rewatch. We'll see.
1: I just remember we were just so shocked about some of the.
0: <laughs> he <you laughs> guy just... makes choices, you know.
1: Just. <laughs> <laughs> Just with the rubber uh, vampire teeth. Oh, God. That is inspired. Anyway. Um. (laughs) Well, I mean, you could just conclude that next time. Next time on Blood Brothers. uh, We're going to be seeing uh, talking about Dracula and Nosferatu. Yeah. Compare and contrast in contrast, ugly vampires versus not ugly vampires. I don't know if I. I don't know if I want to say attractive vampires because I don't know if I would call Bella Lugosi like super attractive. Bella Lugosi
0: <laughs> was a sex like he was actually a sex symbol when that movie came out. It was a huge really. Deal. Yeah, this is something we can dive into <laughs> in the next episode. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think Robert Pattinson's cuter, but I also invested. <laughs> You're interest also in biased.
1: That. <laughs> many years ago in transylvania there lived a man with a very strange mania he never said hello he said
0: i want to bite your neck
1: and when the moon was fully turned into a bat and fly through your window just like that but he never said hello he said
0: i want to bite your neck
1: Oh, kind Dracula, please let me be I'm just a skinny little kid and my blood tastes bad So don't you put the bite on me